does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. Yeah, Pacers back in action. We'll dive into them here in a second. We have some Colts stuff we want to get to as well. Scott Agnes at 8.30. Mark Ross, NFL insider for the NFL Network, going to join us at 9 o'clock. Quickly, I just just saw this and I just had to bring it up to you because, you know, my mind wanders a little bit. You've seen those those Brian Kelly rumors to Michigan. We can move on. I just wanted to – I figured you would have a a take on that. Really? Your guy. Oh, you haven't seen that? Oh, yeah, the Brian. Kelly I thought would it go was to like Michigan. already a foregone conclusion. <laughs> Sharon Moore was going to be the guy. Oh, uh, you should be the guy. I like Sharon Moore. Covered him for a year. Seems like a pretty good coach. Oh, Kelly so. moving his family again? Uh, his family. Yeah, he'll be doing that again. He does have to do the fake accent uh, as well. Okay, so let's not. Okay, I, I want your opinion. So yesterday, you know, continuity's been talked about and, you know, uh, how, how much they got to the quarterback did the Colts. And then yesterday, I, I don't know how much you see it to be a big deal. Defensive line coach Nate along, of course, with Mike Mitchell. We can dive into him. He might be different. Assistant DB coach, both of those guys not going to have their contracts renewed. Uh, Eyebrow raising at all for either one of those guys? Do you have any take on that? No, uh, they're uh, not eyebrow raising. You know, basically how the defensive staff for the Colts, the makeup is this. Gus Bradley's the the defensive coordinator. Two guys with Gus Bradley have been with him basically every stop. And and you have this with guys, you know. They're not necessarily front and center names, but, you know, uh, and this is in every sport, you know. Okay, this is the assistant that's been with him at multiple stops, et cetera, et cetera. The two guys that would be considered that for Gus Bradley are, are coming back. And Richard Smith at linebacker and Ron Miles in the defensive backfield, probably more of a cornerback coach if you want to get specific on that, but, you know, DB coach. Uh, Those are the two that have kind of been tied to Gus Bradley. So basically what the Colts have done here is they have cut defensive guys or fired defensive coaches that don't have the background with Gus Bradley. So, you know, it's not even, and at times you see this, um, you know, whatever. Hey, you've got to cut some of your own guys. You've got to break ties with some of your own if you want to be retained. We're not seeing that here. Nate Ollie and... um, Mike Mitchell had zero ties to Gus Bradley before coming here to Indianapolis. They've been on the staff for two years. They were on the staff for two years. You bring up Mike Mitchell, of course. We all remember his tweet uh, back about a month, month and a half ago in regards to defensive backs right after Michael Pittman uh, was knocked out of that Pittsburgh game and the big hit by Casey. Uh, Mike Mitchell, of course, uh, didn't seem to be well-received that tweet inside of the Colts building. So probably no shock that his contract was not retained. What a stupid tweet that was. I mean, I know we talked about it at the time, but looking back, like I get it from defensive backs, but that's where you just got to zip your lip a little bit. I mean, Michael Pittman nearly had his head taken off. And by the way, he got a concussion. And the next week you lost to Atlanta, which which ended up being a damaging loss and one of the reasons you didn't make the postseason. Well, I don't think the Mike Mitchell tweet had anything to do with that well, performance no, in Atlanta. But I'm, I'm saying it's silly. I mean, he's talking about he was talking about the defensive backs. Well, where where can you hit a guy? And while part part of what he's saying was right, it was also like, yo, you know, Pittman, you know, your player is the one that got injured there, right? And he got injured so bad he missed a week. And the week that he happened to miss, you know, you looked as bad as you could have looked all season. Anyway, it's a stupid thing to tweet. Nate Ali, a Ball State product for those that care. Um, I would say something to note on both of these guys. Again, defensive line for Nate Ollie, safeties mainly for Mike Mitchell. Those are two groups that Chris Ballard has invested some decent to very notable draft capital. You know, safety, there's three draft picks back there. A couple of third rounders and Julian Blackman and Nick Cross. The D-line, I don't need to remind anybody the amount of draft capital and really money that is in that group. It is a ton of resources across that D-line. So I guess in a way, you could look at it and say, uh, you haven't developed uh, all of the ingredients that are in those two position groups, or you should develop more of that. That's probably something you could look at. Obviously, the D-line, Andy, you look at it a couple of different ways. Well, yeah. They just set a franchise record in sacks. <laughs> That's all I've been told. You, you finished <laughs> top 10 in sacks, but also you were 28th in hurry rate, and consistent right. pressure was not there particularly at some critical moments. Um, you know, again, when I hear the word continuity, to me that is such like a 
it's such a lackluster ring of endorsement. You know, <laughs> uh, hey, uh, what are your thoughts on Gus Bradley? Do you expect him back? I believe in continuity. Well, I mean, what does that mean? Like, you right. know, I mean, that's just not on the list of like, hell yeah, come on. Like, yeah. hell yeah, Gus that Bradley's exactly coming back. What would you expect? He deserves to be back for a third year. I mean, that's I'm what the watching... Bears for Matt Eberflus coming back. That's <laughs> oh, continuity. Okay. I got to keep everyone again, together. If you're, you're going to follow the Bears script, uh, obviously see where that's going to get you. I mean, look at these playoff teams, Andy. Oh, Buffalo, Cleveland. Green Bay, uh, Pittsburgh, a Philly. That's what, five playoff teams? We still got four left in the playoffs. We've got five that have already made coordinator moves. And that is, you know, oh, playoff yeah. teams. Oh, Those yeah. are teams that yeah. have gotten to another level. I just don't find continuity to be this like massive ringing endorsement by any means. Um, so, yeah, that word, I just, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it in all of a sudden being like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. It's not like Gus Bradley's got this crazy exotic system that it needs four years of install <laughs> for you to truly reap the benefits of it. No, I don't think I don't think it does. Well, I guess I, I don't know. I, I just for me, listen, I'm not going to make a mountain of a molehill. Isn't that what the saying is that your grandmother would tell you growing up? At least mine did. So, you know, listen, Mike Mitchell being gone. That's fine. That's whatever. I thought his tweet was just incredibly stupid. Uh, not not enough to say, hey, don't come back. I just thought it was incredibly uh, just silly to tweet something out like that. Uh, I, as for Nate Ali, I mean, I, I don't listen. I don't know Nate Ali at all. I just I just know I've been. Nice. Told, I just know how, how I've been told about the sack rate and everything else. And when, you know, at the Chris Ballard's end of the year press conference, when people ask, and you were one of the guys that that was there asking, you know, was asking about Gus Bradley. It was like, well, of course Gus Bradley's going to be back. Okay, well, why is Gus going to be back? Well, you know, I mean, look at our sack numbers this season. I have to feel like Nate Ali at least had a part in them having the most sacks they've ever had in but franchise history. But did he also have history. a part in not creating enough uh, consistent uh, pressure? Well, ab- absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think that's the the yin to the yang, if you will, that you can take numbers for this Colts defense. And this is the fun part with Gus Bradley. You can take the numbers and you can, you know, you can take some numbers and be selective and say, wow, I mean, look at our defense. Of course, we would bring this guy back or that guy. Of course, this guy, we wouldn't look for anyone else to be a DC or some of these other positions. Look what we did getting after the quarterback. And then you can say, what about this other stat in getting after the quarterback or points allowed or Nico Collins or a number of wide receivers walking into Lucas Oil and having career days. So, I don't know. I'm not I'm not too passionate about it, but it was that was used of, well, look how many sacks we had is a reason that, you know, we were looked at stupid that you would ever think about moving on from Gus Bradley. Again, with the Harbaugh news last night to the Chargers, that leaves four openings from around the league. You know, I don't think we have like a full staff yet necessarily in Tennessee or even in LA, of course, with that announcement just late last night. So we'll see as the rest of this month plays out, even as we get into February, because I I would assume a few of these openings are going to extend into February. Is there any sort of domino effect that leads to other Colts assistants leaving? You know, the Jim Bob Cooter name kind of came and went, but you know, does that rise again? But as of now, this looks to be the two. And, you know, part of me just kind of shrugged the shoulders at both of these announcements yesterday. But I also do want to point out, you know, a guy like Tony Sperano with the offensive line, he had a very impactful first season, and that was a notable hire. So I don't want to totally discredit, you know, what a defensive line hire could do in, you know, further developing that group. But in terms of, like, are you – and maybe you will bring in a defensive line coach that will challenge things or bring new concepts a little bit more, or a safeties coach that will bring new concepts a little bit more. But if you're looking for – different Gus Bradley voices, those guys are still there. Right. And Richard Smith good point. Yeah, and Ron good point. Milas. They are the longtime defensive coaches that have been with Gus at prior stops. So I do feel like that is worth Yeah, I mean, it, if out. you're going to back Gus, you know, and he says, hey, I want someone else at defensive line and we're going to move on for Mike Mitchell, then, if you're, hey, if Gus is going to be the coach here, uh, you obviously do that. And you're exactly right. Right. I just feel like since, you know, we're three weeks out here, we're deep into the postseason. Since it's taking time to hire some of these coaches, there's even a ton of head coaches. Mark, I'm not sure the Bears situation. I know the Giants situation to where, like, right now they don't have a DC and they're probably going to lose their OC. So they're going to be well in 
into, you know, February trying to make these moves. Uh, the other thing I know Colts-wise, and again, Scott Agnes at 8.30, Mark Ross will talk a ton, a ton of NFL with him coming up at 9 o'clock. I also have a Pascal Siakam item that I want to get to as the Pacers are in action tonight. You wanted to bring up, hey, what is it? About $72 million here in cap space. It's a lot of cap space, but when you throw in the rookie class that you're going to have to sign, when you throw in perhaps up to 22, 23 mil a year for a guy like Michael Pittman. Hey, listen, that that's that's what he's looking at. A four-year deal up over probably $90 million. Uh, and then the other pieces, Kenny Moore and, of course, Grover Stewart. Uh, pretty confident you would imagine Grover would be back. Um, what was your opinion on this? Because you're right, the money the money can go pretty damn quick. Yeah, it, it really can. It's a question I threw to Chris Ballard you know, a couple Thursdays ago. You know, how much do you expect the chunk of seventy million, or how big of a chunk is probably the better way to put it, of the seventy million do you expect to go on in-house guys? And I thought he would say a good amount. He really didn't say that, but if you start to kind of map out and do the math on it. Andy, there is a very high percentage that could go to the in-house guys. Again, we talked a little bit earlier in the show. Who do you stand on a table for? Who do you stand on a chair for? Well, table guys, Pittman. We agree on that, right? Table guys, Pittman. And I think Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, and Julian Blackman would be pretty close to stand on a table for several of those guys. So just to play out the hypothetical, if you re-signed all four of them, throw out $22 million for for Pittman. Uh, it, these are projections that I'm not, you know, just pulling these numbers out of thin air. I think they're decently close to what the market could look like for him. Grover, probably, probably right around a dozen. I'd say Kenny a little bit less than that. Julian Blackman, probably a little bit less than that. So those four, you're right around $50 million if you want to bring back those four. So right there, the 72-ish million you've got, it's down to 20. Do you want all four back? I think I do. Yeah. Yeah, I, again, I mean, we've Julian talked Blackman about tiers is the and everything one else. that I think people are like, well, you can go find stopgap safety somewhere else. I'm like, okay, but... Well, then yeah, you got to go I, find I, one then. Yeah, you got to sign one. You got to draft a few. You got to do something then. I think the question you always have with all of these guys, and I do, and I guess we'll just start with Michael Pittman. What's your alternative? Right, if I mean, you're not bringing Pittman... Pittman's a must, and, right. Pittman's again, a must. Say we, the we same thing for, for Grover. What's the alternative? Like, I just don't see... Young guys that, man, you know what? We They got this Ben Shepard guy that I really feel like he just needs more minutes. Or Jairus, like, I don't see that at any of these positions. Now, go to the second tier, Andy. Go to the guys you'd stand on a chair for. What about Gardner Minshew? Yeah, I'm probably a chair or a stool. Again, stool, chair, table. I'm probably trying to decide which one. I'm standing on something. I'm just not sure how high in the air I'm standing. What piece of woodwork you're getting on. <laughs> and I will I will throw all these names, and I'm not, I, I don't ask you these questions with my opinion being you 100% bring them back, but I can well, a conversation. get talked into sure. So I say Gardner Minshew to you. I say, what about Zach Moss? I say, what about Tyquan Lewis? How about yeah. Rigoberto Sanchez? Yeah, yeah, I know. We haven't talked. Like, I, I know Ballard was asked about the punter. Yeah. You know, when you start to get into those four names, they're all right in like the three to five-ish million range. So, again, just play out the hypothetical. If you brought all of those guys back, you're probably looking at, you know, 12 to 15 million. Now, all of a sudden, you're at like 65 million. Right. So, again, I don't think all eight of these are back. But when you start to do the math, there has not – and I – I looked up past free agent classes just to make sure that I was right on this. And I looked through the list of last year, 2022, 2021, 2020. There was maybe two, three names a class, maybe, that I'd be on a table or even a chair for. This year's group. It's a lot. There's yeah, eight of there's them. There's a lot. And again, I know. four of them I think are in a different class above that. So that's where I get into how do you create more money? Moali Cox, is that a flat out cut? Does Drew Ogletree's legal process have to play out before you flat out cut him? Oh, I can't imagine Drew Ogletree's back. Listen, I know people may not like that. I, I just I can't imagine Ogletree's back with this team next yeah, year. I, I just can't imagine. I believe a February court date for him was kind of next on the horizon. Uh, restructures on the O-line. What about Ryan Kelly? What about Braden Smith? The guys that I think had very nice seasons when out there. Certainly Braden would be more in that category, but do they need to restructure? at all to create some money. So um, I, I cannot recall an early part of the offseason in the Ballard era, really, which is now seven years deep, where I think there's been this many in-house guys that you either feel good about 
can listen to conversations. And if you want to resign them, which what's Ballard's MO? Keep your own. Yeah. Take care of your own. Take care of your own. Would you, I guess here's my thing, you know, his, when he was talking about Jonathan Taylor, he was like, well, you know, and talking about, you know, bringing him back. We guys, we won four games. I think that would be my question. And I wonder how split Colts fans are on this because I do not know KB and Mark, you can help me as well. You were nine and eight. Again, it feels like you were on the cusp of something. Mm -hmm. I know after the season, uh, Steichen talked about it. Ballard talked about it for 50 minutes in his press conference. Jonathan Taylor talked about it. Buckner, I just remember going down the line of of sound that we had near and at the end of the season about, hey, we feel like we're right on the edge of something. And for the most part, I would agree with that. In the end, though, you still didn't make the postseason. Uh, and I would say as for a guy like Grover Stewart, you know, he went through a lengthy suspension in the middle of the season, and I don't think that hurts him. Listen, I think Pittman and Grover Stewart, Frankly, if you I ha- thought it helped him. If, well, yeah, if you, if you ask me. It what you had. If you ask me, hey, who are the two of the guys you feel like are going to be back? I would probably say Pittman, Grover, and the punting situation would probably be the top three uh, that I go to, I, I don't know. I mean, do fans want to see – I mean, you're always going to have someone new, whether well, it be a mini free agent or the draft class. I don't know. Some of these positions, you still didn't make the playoffs. Do, you, do fans want to see a little newness instead right. of the same old guy coming back on a two-year deal? No, and I, I think that's a fair point. I, I do think an injection of new blood, life, however you want to describe it, is important to keep in mind as well. And Jim accurately points out, you know, does Julian Blackman's injury history concern you? with giving him a multi-year deal. That is probably the one of those big three, uh, or big four, I should say, that you would give some pause to maybe in a multi-year deal. Um, But yeah, it it is a very... When you start to play with the numbers, Andy, it it gets difficult. Um, So I'm curious to see how they will play this out. Again, do you try to restructure? Tight end is so fascinating to me because nobody at tight end is a free agent. So all those tight ends you had last year, they're all under contract. Let's say Drew Ogletree's gone. Let's say Mo Ali Cox is cut. Now all of a sudden, Will Mallory, Will Mallory, Kylan J- Grants, and Jelani Woods. Jelani Woods. Jelani yeah. Woods is a question mark. Has to be. Has to. Yeah, has, he has to, to be. be. Right? I mean, he is. Yeah, he missed Kylan the entire Grantson season. <laughs> is almost like a, you know half wide out, half tight end. Right. You know, he's not really kind of he's that full a, tight end. He's a fine player, but he's not a next level player. You know what you're going to get with him. So you know now it's a lot of eggs and obviously the Will Mallory basket, and you would hope you know Jelani would you know show some development with a healthy third season. So uh, that all of a sudden would really rise on your needs list, and I'd have to go back and listen. I don't recall Ballard mentioning tight end at all, and he was asked several times about needs on this team. I don't recall him uh, mentioning that at all in his, whatever that was, 60-minute press conference a couple of weeks ago. So, Well, does Mel Kuyper um, know that? I mean, does uh, Daniel Jeremiah know that? No, Kuyper had Ballard going five. He hit him going five (laughs) to the Chargers. Let me ask you this, last thing on this. Um, Is it One thing you guys have always told me, you've yelled at me, hey, Ballard's not going to go and it's not going to be the big free agent spending. So it's nice that you have a lot of money. Do you view that as, okay, Ballard, go sign our own so we don't not sign a bunch of other guys that have a bunch of money left over? Does that make sense a little bit? Yeah, like I mean, we that- want you to sign somebody if you're not going to be the big free agent guy, which I understand. Free agency is not a right. good deal for the teams. A lot of times free agency is good for the player uh, in that respect that you know now you don't have to worry about that as a Colts fan in the offseason when a lot of this money is going to be slotted towards guys like Grover, guys like Pittman, and your rookie draft class. You know, the thing I've always said about Ballard in regards to free agency I would just like to see him use it a tad more because I think he's found really nice fits in free agency. Samson Ebercom is a great example a of player. it right. last year. You right. can go to other guys, whether that is Danico Autry or even Gilmore. Uh, I mean, Eric Ebron, I know it didn't work out for multiple years, but that was a very important guy in getting you back to the playoffs in that 2018 season. Uh, you know, Rodney McLeod from a couple years ago. And it just seems like there's been a couple moments where, and Danico Autry the second time around comes to mind the the most, where all of a sudden that, that price tag rises one shelf. Right. And then panic ensues and the door is slammed shut. And it's like, wait a minute, if you like that guy at that tag, all of a sudden going up one shelf doesn't mean that you don't like him anymore just because it's an extra whatever. Right. One and a half million to play out a hypothetical or, you know, this on a guarantee. 
that still doesn't undermine who he is as a player. So that would be kind of my only, you know, real critique when it comes to free agency with Ballard. He's um, usually out of the first wave of free agency. Yeah, it's a second, third wave. Yeah. yeah, the the first wave of free agency, man, that gets you all turned on, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, that first wave. All hot and bothered. That, that first day or two. We got a, uh, a comment here on the firings of Nate Ollie and Mike Mitchell. Uh, firing those two guys is like putting a Band-Aid on a compound fracture. <laughs> That's probably a rather... Um, I very, mean, I, I don't think it's that broke. It's a very defense, descriptive yeah. <laughs> picture of you know, probably my overall thoughts on it as well. Uh, what's the over-under on Joel Embiid for tomorrow night, or for tonight, I should say? <laughs> 36 we'll share and that on the other side. Again, two weeks from the trade deadline. Where are things on the Buddy Heald front? It's a question I want to throw Scott Agnes's way in a bit. We'll talk some hoops on the other side. Big one tonight for the Pacers and Sixers. For some reason with this song, I think of old school. I think of Frank the... Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. That's how warped my mind is. <laughs> Give the Red Dragon time. some juice. <laughs> that's exactly, that's exactly what I that's was a thinking. Great movie. Uh, it is. It's an A+. They don't make them like that uh, anymore. Hanging out in the DriveHubler.com studios here on this Thursday. Reminder, coming up top of the hour, Mark Ross will join us. Uh, former NFL exec. Well, was almost uh, the general manager here in Indianapolis, and now he does work for the NFL Network. So we'll uh, get you ready for the four, for the four games. Goodness, for the two games coming up on Sunday. All right, let's jump on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. A lot of Pacer conversation as we've gone the last couple days. Scott Agnes joins us, Fieldhouse File. Scott, good morning, sir. Thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, good morning, Andy. Doing well. How about you? Man, everything is fine here. Uh, I I tell you, five out of six, I have said this morning, it's not a must win, but boy, the Pacers need some feel good. They need to get a win tonight. One reason it's going to be so difficult, no Tyrese Halliburton. I guess let's start there. The injury, the coming back from the injury after 10 days, the kind of hobbling and favoring it against Portland, and then we know he was out last Sunday, and then the news on Tuesday, out for three three more games. What is your read of the situation? And also, I guess your read of the situation as they need to get wins. We understand why they're not getting wins, but they still (laughs) need to get some wins. Yeah. Just from on the court standpoint, you see just how reliant this team is on Tyrese and how, how much of a positive impact he makes specifically on the offense. I mean, how many games have the Pacers had really over this stretch outside of their couple of wins? Um, all, all have been losses and all of the games they've been held to 115 points or less, which is very unlike this team. The offense just isn't what it is. It's not humming like it was when Tyrese is in command and in the driver's seat. But, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky situation and always is when you're dealing with hamstring injuries, a hamstring strain like Tyrese is right now. He, uh, uh, they, he, they elected to have him go on that road trip. I, quite frankly, originally – 
thought he would stay behind. Like, why add seven flights to the whole thing? But then you find out more, like uh, how while they were in Utah, he was able to check out Iowa State. And in Sacramento, I totally get He was drafted there, spent a couple good years there, and wanted to see friends there. So that makes sense. And on top of that, it does help when you're traveling alongside the team's athletic training staff so you can get that daily attention, daily observation and treatments. And you could just tell, especially when he did an interview with the uh, Iowa State broadcast when he was out there, that he was chomping at the bit to go, Andy, because Mm -hmm. he said, I dodged the bullet and I'll be ready in a few days. And I saw that and I'm like, a few days? Um, The road trip doesn't end here for about a half a week. So uh, that uh, definitely got my attention. And then he was close to playing in Sacramento, but they ultimately decided not to. And in Portland, I, I do wonder how much he was like, hey, Pascal's making his right. debut here. I want to be out there with him. Uh, let me give it a go. On top of, one, him being a competitor and hate-missing games is just wanting to be out there. And then there's the big elephant in the room, Andy, and the fact that if he qualifies for All-NBA, and right now kind of based on his level of play and impact and, and even seeing – what kind of vote he's getting in an all-star game, he's probably trending the way where he'd be an all-NBA player. And if that's the case, he has about 53 million a lot of money. not to miss. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot a of, cash. of money not to miss more time. Again, Scott Agnes with us. You can read his work over at Fieldhouse Files. Scott, I know you're not in the building for the entire practice, but from what you saw yesterday or what Rick Carlisle said, uh, what was the level of activity for Tyrese Halliburton yesterday at practice? Yeah, from what I heard, I believe it was just kind of moving around and and getting shots up, which is exactly what he did while out on the road trip, um, is he would get shots up before games. But um, I I don't think it was anything like sprinting up and down the court and and doing cuts or playing one-on-one or anything like that at practice. I think it was just to kind of engage himself, engage that hamstring a little bit, uh, but not push it. Uh, I don't. There's still no timetable for his return. And, and quite frankly, that's exactly why teams avoid putting timetables on there because now that he returned and then is out for at least three games as broken by the Rick Carlisle show here, by the way, <laughs> well done guys. Um, <laughs> that was great. Uh, you know, th- th- that's why you try to avoid these, these timelines because of, of what it can mean and then what it could suggest and the ambiguity that it results from it. You assume he'll be an all-star starter when that gets announced tonight. I do, yes. Now, you do have to keep in mind what we've seen thus far through three returns. That's 50% of the vote, which is the fan vote, where he is clearly going to get it. But I know there's the sentiment and respect there from the media, uh, which is 25%, and then it comes from the players, the other 25%. But um, right now, one, he has a huge, huge advantage there just from the 50% fan vote. Um, And then everybody understands, I think, his impact right now. So I would expect for him to be a starter and that's going to be very special and very important to him right here in Indianapolis. Scott Agnes with us following the Pacers' Fieldhouse Files. He joins us here on the Wake Up Call Pay Less Liquors Hotline on a Thursday. I, I imagine I'm going to have a follow-up to this because we talked about some of the mid-range stuff with Pascal Siakam, but a couple games, he finally gets a mini-practice yesterday with Carlisle and the coaching staff. Uh, so Pascal Siakam, early returns are what, according to Scott Agnes? Yeah, I, I think right now it's it's kind of a little bit slow out of the gates, but you, it's not exactly surprising, right? Like all the things he's had to go through. And, yes, as you mentioned, Andy, uh, practice was very important yesterday. He'd gone through a walkthrough, maybe two. Um, he'd been on the West Coast and back and all those certain things, but still hadn't really been able to walk through stuff, at least with his teammates versus maybe uh, the team interns or a couple of assistant coaches. Now, he had that long flight to Portland. I'm sure he watched film on that. He's worked with some of the assistant coaches to get trying to get ahead of things. But um, the good thing for the Pacers is that they play a lot of random offense. The bad part about it is that's not as simple as it sounds because you do – you. You read and react, especially offensively. So it's almost like you're running a play offensively, even though you are not. So that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges um, from the offensive standpoint. Is And on top of that is not having Tyrese out there to really get the – it's like he's the oil change. They, they need him out there to kind of make sure everybody's working efficiently. 
And so uh, that's what they're having to adapt to. And for as much film or walkthroughs as you can do, you really need a good practice, I think, to to get a feel for it. And then in terms of defensively, uh, I like it when he's being put on some of the top players. There's a couple games where maybe he doesn't start out on them, but he finishes, and I want to see more of that. I, I, th- I really like his defense and the possibilities there of um, – Finally, the Pacers having a defender that can at least challenge the opposing player when they're when they're going off like so many wings in this league do. But the real one's going to be tonight against Joel Embiid. Pacers haven't had an answer for him. There's not many answers for him in the league. I'm curious what he'll look like coming off that 70 point performance. Scott Agnes with us. I, I just, you know, just as a follow up, I'm not even sure what the question is. One thing I am interested in, we talked about it about 40 minutes ago, Scott, and that is, you know, mm-hmm. the Pacers are very much a three point shooting team. We know that. They take and make a lot. They're a three point shooting team. And then what's the new age basketball? They're also a points in the paint team. So they're number one in field goal percentage. They're number five in three point percentage. They're number four in the NBA in three pointers made. And, and on top of it, they're number one in points in the paint. So it's very much get to the bucket or shoot a three. Siakam, obviously the strength of his game. I mean, I don't think he even took a three the other night was he's a mid range guy, more of an mm-hmm. ISO mid-range guy and that's not me saying that's a bad thing it's a different tool in the offensive toolbox for Rick Carlisle and this coaching staff how do you think they try to mesh those two together when you're kind of playing one style but Siakam can play this whole other style that not many other guys on your team can yeah not many players in the league do much anymore like a few come to mind a Malcolm Brogdon or Chris Paul uh, for example, who love to operate in that mid-range game. And quite simply, it's coming down to kind of analytics and what they say. And if you can take a 17-footer or be, have a toe behind the line for a three-pointer, it's generally better to do that. So that's why it's being pushed. And I think what I really remember is the Houston Rockets maybe five, seven years ago were one of, among the first teams that were really going aggressively at eliminate mid-range only layups and threes. And so uh, that's been really interesting to see more teams take that on. In terms of Pascal, yeah, that gives you a new dynamic, but it also requires that comfort with the teammates where they know what spots you like and to get you into those positions. And maybe if you're isolated on the wing, to get the heck out of your way as well. And so those are some of the things that in time, I think both sides will get a little bit more familiar with. And I I like having that different dynamic. Um, it's the same thing with Sabonis. Like how, he loved that elbow jumper. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great not point. the best shot. But it was effective for him. And so that's what Rick Carlisle and the, this coaching staff will, will have to figure out and monitor and, and push him into as well. I, I think it's probably very easy for Pascal right now to kind of say, hey, you guys, I've seen what you've done offensively. I don't want to mess that up. Um, and, and so to be overly cautious with it. The thing is, though, Pascal, you were brought in to – take us to another level. And while the offense has been good generally this season, it has not been what it was over the last couple of weeks, especially. Like I said, points are down. Uh, Field goal percentage down. Three-point percentage really has been down since Tyrese has been out, which is a direct reflection of how much he passes guys open, how much he creates space, uh, leans into that space. And so I'd like to see a little bit more assertive Pascal and, and lean into his strengths because Pacers got him for those very reasons. Again, Scott Agnes with us. You can read his work, Fieldhouse Files. I do want to get to a Buddy Heald trade question in just a second, but one more on Siakam. Scott, I, I listen to him and, and I find myself just like nodding my head at so much of what he says. Like I, I feel like, and I don't know, maybe some people don't care about that at all, but when I listen to him, I'm like, okay, I can see why you know, he has been very highly thought of, not only in Toronto, but, you know, clearly coveted here in Indiana, why him and Tyrese Halliburton would, would get along. Uh, I feel like he says all the right things, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he, I think he's done a nice job of setting the tone here for this new start because things, as I understand it, kind of got contentious over the last year for him in Toronto. It's very difficult. That's why you could kind of see the writing on the wall for uh, – a divorce in that relationship, despite him being such a good player. So he just wasn't happy. And so he had conversations with Tyrese. This became a possibility. Um, and he's really eager to see what he can do and, and get started and how positively he can impact his team. Now, once you settle in, then it'll be more interesting, I think, to kind of get his read on 
where the team's out and their limitations and things like that because he brings in that fresh perspective, that outside um, you know, voice that has not been there with this team through training camp. So that's something that I, I'm most curious to hear about here uh, you know, after another week or two. All right, I brought this up to Andy a little bit earlier. Uh, we mm-hmm. are nearing the one-year contract extension anniversary for Miles Turner. Obviously, that was a huge storyline entering last season. What would happen? Trade deadline's inching closer. Boom. Extension's done. Uh, that storyline is over. Turner is a part of this core moving forward. Do you expect something related to Buddy Heald similar at all? I, I know it maybe wasn't the same magnitude as Turner as that was leading into the season, but you know, I guess do you see Buddy being a lame duck for the final two months of the season, being here without an extension? And if he is, does that indicate to you that he won't be here after this season? Yeah, that's a delicate process right now, and I think right, I think the front office is is surveying the market as they should and always should be doing is uh, just kind of seeing what's out there, what's possible because. I think you could really – what this team most needs now is just someone out on the wing at that three spot. Uh, outside of that, they've kind of gotten this roster to a point um, where you have positions filled. Now it's making sure there's a right mix and match of players, right, that you have your bases covered. You obviously could use some more emphasis on the defensive end, um, but those are off, oftentimes your coveted players. With Buddy – with extension talks, I, from what I've heard, I'm, I don't think there's been any necessarily progress, let's call it, here anytime since since the fall when they were first engaged um, just because of the differences in a number of where Buddy believes his number should be and what the Pacers believe or are willing to get to uh, at that point. They did have that opportunity um, you know, with the, with the cap space previously to renegotiate and extend. Uh, unique feature that the Pacers took advantage of last year. I'll never forget, I was driving down to Bloomington for an IU game when those texts and and everything started to come in suddenly. But I got to wonder what type of trade value he can command and if if that is even worth it, right? Like if it's just a a second-round pick and a rotational player. Um, Those sorts of things under consideration. So I guess right now there – it, it's still a little bit foggy, much like the weather has been here on his situation. Uh, with Obi Toppin now, he's coming off his rookie contract, so um, the Pacers would have his restricted rights, meaning they could match any offer he'd get. Um, but if they did not do anything with Buddy, you'd either re-sign him in the offseason or he'd go away and you'd just get that available cap space if no deal was made. In Scott Agnes Fieldhouse Files, we are two weeks away from the NBA trade deadline and uh, quite a big one tonight inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse for the Pacers and Sixers. Scott, thank you, my man. All right. Thank you, guys. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Clock hour hanging out in the drivehuber.com studios. Mark Ross, NFL insider for the NFL Network. We're efforting going to join us here in just a moment. All right, my Mike Epps story. You said you had a you had an update. Someone tweeted you, or is this Thank in the you. YouTube chat? Thank you to Jimmy for this. Okay. Jimmy goes, tell Sweeney that Epps has a home renovation show based yeah. here oh, in yeah. Indy. That oh, is I know. probably what the lamp was for. Well, I I know, and I've seen some of the homes that he's done this with. I just I see him as having very new and fresh stuff, not a forty-five-year-old dusty lamp that says "Bush Light" on it. How dare you disparage Bush Light? <laughs> hey, listen, come Carb Day, you're gonna have seven of those by nine. Come Carb Day, 
Come today, <laughs> Thursday, Thursday, January twenty fifth. Watching the uh, the Pacers and 76ers tonight. Yeah. Have we decided thirty six and a half over under for I'm, Embiid? I'm, I'm taking the over. Yeah, you don't you don't bet the unders. You, you even told me this. If you don't want to live yeah, this way, no, Andy, well, that's what I'm telling you, Kevin Bowen. God, the Pacers need to win. Boy, they need a win. Again, 6.30, that coverage tonight. Tip-off, 7 o'clock right here. Radio-wise, catch it right here uh, on the fan. All right, always love talking some NFL. Mark Ross joining us, former uh, NFL exec there uh, with various teams, including my New York Giants, also NFL network analyst. He joins us here on the Payless Lakers Hotline. Mark, good morning. Thanks for joining us, man. How are you? All right, all right. How about you guys? Man, we are fantastic. Uh, jacked up over these games and uh, Super Bowl in a couple weeks. We're, we're sad the Colts didn't make it, and they have a lot of decisions. We can dive into that here uh, in just a second, but I, I wanted your thoughts. I mean, the big news coming down last night, Jim Harbaugh back to the NFL. Jim Harbaugh with the, uh, with the Chargers now on a five-year deal. What are people in NFL circles saying about that reunion with Harbaugh and the Chargers? And, and boy, we've done the exercise size mark around here that AFC next year is going to be absolutely loaded yeah no doubt and that just made too much sense for Harbaugh to go back to the Chargers San Diego Chargers LA Chargers you know now San Diego when he played and you know it's not as if it's some college coaches coming in there and and uh, you know taking a stab at it this guy was one of the best coaches in the NFL when he's with the 49ers uh, actually, when I was with the Giants, we happened to beat them in I the, uh, I remember. <laughs> the playoffs there when he had Alex Smith and, uh, you who know, f- who that, fumbled? that rain nasty day. Who, who fumbled? Yeah. Who's the 49er punt returner who fumbled? Uh, Williams. It, uh, uh, Williams, yeah. Yeah. yeah our guy, yeah, our, our guy on the punt, man. Uh, Joan Williams <laughs> came and forced a fumble, and they had a Williams that fumbled it and that uh, sealed it for us with the field goal. So, uh, you know, but so it, you and I, it, it just made too much sense. Really, a perfect fit. This guy knows how to win. He knows how to resurrect teams, and now he's got one of the best quarterbacks in the league to do it with. You better watch out for the Chargers, even as early as next year, because he turned around the Forty ers back in the day. You know, with Alex Smith there in a year, so I would expect the same thing there. Yeah, what thirteen wins that first year with the Forty ers Again, Mark Ross is with us. So certainly, it was very close to getting the GM job here in Indianapolis back. A little over a decade ago. Mark, uh, four openings left. Carolina, Seattle, Atlanta, Washington. What coaching candidate are we not talking about enough? Oh, man. That was a – he put me on the spot with that one. One not talking about – you know, I think Evero down there, talking about Carolina, you know, the job with the defense coordinator there, Jiro Evero, who uh, really that held them together when the Carolina, as bad as they look this year, and, uh, you know, the job he did on that defense to have such a, a bad team and, and you're just fighting, uh, you know, that said something about a coach. And it's not about X's and O's and, and uh, you know, it's really it's about leading – Man, it's about leading a team and galvanizing a team and bringing them together. Kind of how Antonio Pierce got that job with the Raiders. You know, it's really just, okay, here's a guy that came in here, and obviously the players love this guy and they want to play for him and they're motivated by him. There's something to that, and you have to take that into account. And I think Evero did that similar thing with the Panthers. You know, Steve uh, Wilkes did it last year with the Panthers and then got let go. Uh, and you see the job he's still doing there with the 49ers now. So, you know, he kind of would be a guy that you're looking for. Mark Ross with us here on the Pay Less Lakers Hotline, former NFL front office uh, exec, scout for over 20 years, uh, a great follow on Twitter, and he's on the NFL Network as well. Boy, tens, tons of things we can go to. I Just as a follow-up, Mark, with that, I, I wrote down Patriots, Chargers, even though that one, we'll see how that works out, and at least Raiders, and I feel like there's another team or two. We've had like half the openings hire a coach before a general manager. Now, someone like Washington hired a general manager, Carolina, uh, and then they'll bring in their guy. I guess uh, you were in these front offices. What is that relationship when one gets hired before another? I guess, are you surprised that half these jobs have a coach before a GM? Yeah, really so, and um, and I was... I've had it both ways. When I was with Philly, you know, um, you know, before Andy Reid got there, it was kind of all kind of all over the place. But it was it was a front office centric. Andy came in. Andy had all Andy Reid had all the power. He ran the show. Great. We won. We did all the things. Andy respected what we did on on our side of the building. Work closely together. Then when I got to the Giants, you know, they were historically uh, GM centric. You know, GM made the decisions. Jerry Reese was our head coach. Tom Coughlin. I mean, Jerry Reese our GM. Tom Coughlin the head coach. 
ownership, that was the structure. But everyone knows that. So as long as everyone in the building kind of knows who the guy is, there's no there's no such thing where you hear, we're going to collaborate, and it's 50% and do it. That's just not true. Someone and everyone in the building has to know what guy has the final decision when you're making decisions because there's never going to be 50% on everything. But that being said, I always think there should be the GM in place first and then the coach because the GM is really looking out for the long-term stability of the team, the foundation, the good decisions, and coaches are more so, hey, I got to win or I'm up out of here. You know, and yeah. uh, there was more stability in the past with GMs. Now those guys are kind of getting turned over, but more so the coaches that I've been around and even the best ones are looking more so of, I got to get this W now. I got to make decisions for right now as opposed to, the now and the future. So, yeah, it's been a little bit of a surprise that they've been jumping on a lot of these coaches first. Yeah, no one even talks about it anymore. That, that's the reason I was like, all right, so I guess this is a thing we do. Mark Ross, NFL Network here on the fan on this Thursday. A natural transition then. Bill Belichick, uh, why is he not the head coach uh, in Atlanta? <laughs> is, is, I guess is Bill not having a job more on him or uh, the NFL doesn't mind hiring these offensive young coaches? They don't mind doing that anymore. Yeah, that's just the thing now. Hey, just hire who's on that Shanahan tree, the next young coach. You know, Callahan got a job now, and, you know, there's been success with those guys, and, you know, a couple of them in the playoffs now, and the McDaniels of the world, and McVeigh, of course, and so owners in the NFL is a little bit of a copycat league are looking at, yep, we want the new, hot, young, fresh coordinator to help our offense, help our quarterback, get us a quarterback, whatever that may be on the offensive side of the ball. And also, to be honest, you know, a lot of owners, GMs don't want to deal with, hey, I'm Bill Belichick, and, man, this guy's sure. walking around the building, and um, am I going to, is he going to want his own people and get me out of here or deal with that sort of personality? You would think, okay, we get a Hall of Fame, maybe the greatest coach of all time in here. He'll help us. But a lot of people don't want to deal with that, just just to be quite honest. And I'm sure from the the outside, people said, no, we're not even going to pursue Belichick. Whatever interviews he's gone on, whether it's Atlanta, there's a strong possibility. Whatever has gone on there, there might have been things where Arthur Blaine said, you know what, no, we just don't want this. So uh, a lot of variables to it, but bottom line is kind of the new, fresh, young offense coordinator type. And this guy's Bill Belichick. Do we want to have to, have to deal with this guy? Again, Mark Ross is with us. Uh, you see him on NFL Network, and again, his um, extensive background really extended to that 2011-2012 GM search here in Indianapolis, uh, and he was deep in that interview process. Mark, I, I'm just kind of curious, like for a GM candidate, what is the interview process like? Team A calls you, they fly you in. I know probably a lot of this can be done virtual now, but what are you presenting? If you are the candidate, what are you presenting to a team uh, during a GM interview. Yeah, well, that's just that's interesting that, you know, you, you just kind of want to have, you know, you talk philosophy, you, you talk about the roster, you talk about the future, you talk about the things you've done or the players you, you, you have, have drafted. Um, but every owner, you know, I did a bunch of them, you know, fortunately at the time I did a bunch because a lot of interest, but unfortunately in the hindsight, a lot of factors went into decisions that were made, but, you know, sometimes even owners are just looking to pick people's brains of, of different teams, and a lot of them aren't real interviews. It's just, hey, they got a guy, but, hey, let's see what they're doing at that organization that's doing really well. But, you know, you're really just trying to talk philosophy and uh, and plan and future and uh, the landscape. You know, when I went, um, you know, it was interesting. You know, Ursay, I was in there with him. and But that was when Andrew Luck and, you know, Peyton was still there, the Andrew Luck decision. So, and then RG3 was coming out too. So we we kind of talked about that a lot. And, of course, I'll, I'll remember that, the decisions that were made around that. So, you know, all of them are kind of different and all structured different ways. And different owners want to see different things. Or they, some want, you have a presentation, some want to see that, some don't, some just want to talk. So, you know, they're all not created the same, but some of, you know, pretty much all of them have the basic foundations of what you're going to talk about. Certainly one of the bigger decisions here for Chris Ballard this offseason will be how you handle Michael Pittman Jr. Again, Mark Ross with us here, longtime NFL executive from the NFL Network. How would you handle Michael Pittman Jr.'s free agency, franchise tag status in relation to building around Anthony Richardson? Yeah, he was on my list. I did an article last week about the guys that, that earned contracts, earned extensions, earned contracts, and um, 
you know, he's one of our five guys on offense just because of the way that he's played and how stable he's been and consistent he's been. And, you know, for the Colts as a whole, just to overachieve the way they did, uh, you know, coming into the season, and then your guy gets hurt, you think you're going to build around an Anthony Richardson and the, what they did. And I think Michael Pittman was really a main cog in, in that stability uh, and oh so close to making the playoffs push. So, yeah, I, I think – you try to get it done sooner rather than later. You don't want to get into that tag game with him, a guy like him. With that, you don't want to get into any contentiousness with the contract. So I'm sure they've been working behind – Chris Ballard has been working behind the scenes feverishly with, with Pittman's owner to get something done. So I, I would expect him to get done and, you know, sort of long-term deal pretty – you know, I don't want to say a timeline, but – you know, not something they have to worry about with him having been on being a Colt for a long time. Mark, just as a follow-up, you know, Pittman's interesting because he's 26 years old. Okay, he's going to be 27, but he's 26. And his value to the Colts is maybe even higher than to other teams in the NFL. Having the young quarterback and kind of keeping one of your own. I mean, he's probably due 23, 20, you know, 22, 23 mil per year. Would you agree with that? And how do you handle a player who's very good? He's not an outside deep threat, but he he's a very good player. I mean, he's a dog, and I mean that in a good way. He's a tough as hell player, but he does mean more to you. And you might have to pay him a little bit more than uh, perhaps you wanted to. Yeah, and that's that's something you always want to sort of draft and keep your own, and and that's you, you don't want to lose guys. And then, okay, we got to start all over again. And especially there there is a lot of value that other stuff that you talk about with players, and you know we value that with the Giants, valued it with the Eagles. With it's not just for the production. Of course, you got to be productive to even talk about the other stuff. If you're not productive and you're a bum, you're not saying, "Hey, we love this guy and he's a leader, so you're going to keep him." But someone like that who has shown to be productive and you know his value in that system for that head coach for Gardner Minshew. Okay, and now we got our our superstar. Hopefully, our up and coming superstar coming at quarterback. Oh, now we're going to get rid of the most stable dude we have on offense. You know, Jonathan Taylor, of course, but our his receiver. Get rid of him. Now let's start all over with a rookie or something. That would be tough. So you really want to value not just the production on the field, but the dependability, the leadership, the character, and everything else he brings. Mark, great stuff. Always enjoy our conversations with you. I know it's a busy time of year as we whittle it down to two for the Super Bowl. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, catch up again later this offseason. Sure thing, anytime.